All right. Well, you ready to get into the word? Any believers here tonight? Yeah. I'd rather be a believer than a doubter. You know, uh, we're going to look at some good things tonight. I want to thank Pastor Jordan. Uh, he uh, shared the offering message tonight. Uh, last Monday, um, not this past one, but last week, Monday, um, I'm, I'm in a doctoral program. I laid down some work because of vacation. I just thought, you know, roles, wherever you are, be all there. I'm not going to be a student. I'm going to be dad and and whatever on and husband on vacation. So I did that. So that makes some things pile up because no assignments are short. You know, if they tell you to read, it's not short. I'm reading right now close to uh, 1960 pages that I'll have to read before uh, my next class. But if you spread it all out, it's okay. But I miss the days where it was like, read the first two pages of this chapter and then read the little review at the end. That, that is gone forever. So, but anyway, I had a deadline on a paper. And uh, as I, I worked on it that Sunday evening and then a week ago Monday, I thought there's no way I'm going to meet my deadline. So I called Jordan or messaged him and asked him, could you fill in? And so on very short notice... Uh, he came, and I need to say this about Jordan, too. He just finished all of his coursework for his master's degree, too. And so I'm very, very proud of Jordan. Uh, but on just short notice, was able to pick up in our Believe series on systematic theology and teach last week on incarnation, did a wonderful job. So I'm so grateful for, for our team, and uh, I just wanted to publicly express my thanks for him doing that. Amen? And his, and his lovely wife, Carissa, is right there, mother of Baxter. The dog. Okay, good deal. All right. Well, uh, let's look at a couple of scriptures as we get going. Actually, let's don't look yet. Carrie, take that away. Take it away. There we go. Okay. Bring you up to speed real quick. I had in my heart, and I believe from the Lord, that uh, all year long, we are going to, on Wednesday, this is our series, Believe. And the importance of this is this. And I'll go back and share this story just briefly with you. Uh, There was a gentleman who was sitting... uh, uh, in an airport with this woman and they struck up conversation he found out she was a communist and he asked her so help me understand this why are you a communist what do you believe what is what is that all about I know a little bit but tell me and he said within two three minutes she had exhausted all information could not articulate even what she really believed about all that and he being a believer thought about that and he says you know what I know too many Christians that are that same way and you say, well, are you a Christian? Yeah. Well, what does that mean? What do you, what do you believe? And, and then we've got so many things that are challenging, uh, challenging Christianity today and our beliefs today that we better know what we believe. We better know why we believe it, uh, how all that works, how it's all connected together, and that you would be able to articulate what you believe. So what we're endeavoring to do, and every now and then throughout the year, we're going to stop and kind of pile things up together. It's, it's, it's called systematic theology. And so what we're doing is taking uh, topics and things in the Bible in a logical order and finding out what does the Bible in general teach about this. And uh, we'll stop, like I said, at different points throughout the year and kind of summarize and pile those things up because I want us to be real believers, not just have the little name tag or, or, or whatever, but that we're real believers and that we know what we believe, why we believe. And, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so the more we get clear 
on why we believe some things, I think it will increase our faith even in that. Amen? So, tonight, uh, let's go ahead and start in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul said, of whom I am chief. Leave that up just for a second here. Here is the bottom line, okay, y'all? This is the bottom line. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Say that with me. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now go with me to John chapter 1 verse 14, familiar verse, not just a Christmas verse, okay? And the word became flesh. Notice word, capital W. It's actually a name. It's actually a title. Who might that be? That's Jesus. If you go back to John 1, 1, you'll find that in the beginning was God and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word we find here in verse 14, he becomes revealed and the word became flesh. We know that to be Jesus and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. John is writing this. The glory as the only begotten of the Father. So there his identity is, is further revealed. Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. This is called incarnation. Incarnation. And so the word became flesh. The word put on flesh. Carn, uh, carne, like uh, carnivorous, you know, would, has to do with flesh. Now, it's not just this flesh, okay? It's not just, you know, your flesh and bones, your meat, you know, your guts. It's not just that. It has to do with humanity. Okay. So he did put on skin. He did come and put on an earth suit, so to speak, but he came in sway, dwelt among us and the word became flesh. Incarnation. Everybody, everybody say incarnation. Now we're headed somewhere. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God put on flesh And by flesh, what we mean here is an entire human nature, an entire human nature. Body, he had a body, he had a mind, he had emotions, he had a will. So Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, that's important, the eternal son of God, took on an entire human nature without ceasing, this is important, without ceasing to be God. Okay, without ceasing to be God. He became the God-man. Now look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Y'all here? Okay. Matthew 1, verse 23. This is not just a Christmas verse, okay? What is Christmas? Do you remember my definition of Christmas? It's the celebration of the what? Of the entrance of our Savior. Okay? Anybody glad for Savior tonight? Christine led us in a song tonight about there's a place of freedom. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. He came, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, okay? So behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and that's Jesus, and they shall call his name, help me, Emmanuel, which means or which is translated God with us. And now just think about this for a moment. Virgin, remember that we believe. Everybody say we believe. And we've already covered a lot of this ground. Uh, it takes faith to believe. I feel sorry for people that can't believe. You know, well, I, you know with a brain this size, and that'd be, that would be a smart guy. With a brain this size, we're trying to figure out a creation and how it happened and a creator and, 
and all of those things, you're not going to be able to figure out everything. At some point, you have to step across a line. You have to trust. You have to believe. And, and we've established. I would encourage you to be a good thing to do. Uh, go back through all that we've done so far on this Believe series. How many of you have heard of Netflix? There's a new thing called binge watching. Binge watching. And somebody will go back and there will be a favorite TV series or something. And they will, they will watch for like 30 hours. You know, and just because they can just watch it all in, all in a row right there. Batman. No, 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 no. No, I, I wouldn't do it. But um, it would do you good to just kind of go back and, and stack all these things together. And we'll, we'll be working on that. Um, but this is God with us. And remember, going back to the idea of virgin would bear a child. And that is God coming in the... His son putting on flesh. That again is incarnation. All right, here's the phrase that we're going to use tonight. You don't have to remember it, but we are talking about theology. And so I want to give you the theological term for here. It's called hypostatic union. Everybody say that. Hypostatic union. I know Jordan taught y'all some fancy word last week too, you know. How many of you remember it? None of you. Okay. (laughs) Hypostatic union. Union. Let me tell you what it is, and this is our topic for tonight. We'll spend a few moments on this. This is the union of Christ's human nature and his divine nature into one person. Okay, so it's the union of his human nature and his divine nature into one person. This is an enigma. This is a mystery. This is something we cannot fully explain. This is something we cannot fully understand. This is something we believe. And we believe it based on God's word because we've already accepted in this series the authority of God's word. Are the believers still here? Okay, they were all hyper earlier. Okay, so hypostatic, hypostatic union. Let's go ahead. You don't have to remember that. I just want to introduce it to you. Um, Early in church history, um, and you have to realize... You know, Jesus uh, finishes his earthly ministry. He ascends into heaven. The day of Pentecost comes. Uh, Believers are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They begin to preach the gospel, fulfill the Great Commission. Persecution came at different times. Uh, Constantine gave them favor and and helped to promote Christianity, which actually um, doesn't always work entirely well for, for that. There was the diaspora. There was where... Christians through persecution were dispersed and you, you spread them out. Guess what you just spread out? You just spread out the word. You just spread out the Holy Spirit. And so, and then Paul's missionary journeys, you got all these things going on. And then churches get founded all over the place and churches are doing their best with the help of the Holy Spirit and this new move of Christianity. They're trying to put this all together. And so out of that then, Certain times there would be certain councils that would come together. They would, they would, people would gather together and there was a council in 541 AD, 541 AD in Constantinople, which is modern day Turkey. And this is called the Council of Chalcedon, Council of Chalcedon and priests and pastors and theologians and some smart people came together for this purpose to to study together and then to come up with a statement 
of what do we believe. We have to articulate what do we believe about the deity of Jesus Christ and the humanity of Jesus Christ. And so they wanted to get that together because prior to this, there were, whoops, excuse me, uh, there were several, several schools of thought. Let me give you, give you a, a couple of these here. They felt that he was, this was one school of thought, that he was God, but he was not really man. He just appeared. He took a human uh, appearance, but he was God, but not really man. Another school of thought was this. He was man, but he was not fully God. He was missing some divine attributes. Another one was this, that he was a mixture of God and man. It was like a hybrid. It was like, uh, it was like a mix. And then what hypostatic union is, is this. He was fully God and fully man. Go ahead and say it with me. Fully God and fully man. Okay. Now, here's what came out of the Council of Chalcedon. They, they said, within one person, within one person of Jesus Christ exists two distinct natures. One divine, and you're going to see how important this is in just a moment. One divine and one human. These natures are not mixed. These natures are not diminished. Each is complete. So he is fully God and he's fully man. Now I'm getting ahead of myself just a little bit. He was fully God and he added the human nature. Okay, so from eternity, he was fully God. At his coming to the earth, his first coming, he put on flesh, took on human nature at that point. He added that to himself and became fully man as well. It's very important that we understand fully God, fully man. Um, I won't go into all this right now, but that was something that Allah could not do. And it is vital to our salvation. It's vital to our salvation. You'll see it in a moment here. Now, he is not two people in one body. It is not also a human body with a divine person. This is one person, two natures, divine and human, important here, yet without sin. Yet without sin. This is not a 50-50 mix. This is 100%. 100%. 100% deity. 100% humanity. Get this? Without loss and without mixture. One person, truly and completely God. One person, truly and completely man. The God-man. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. Are you all here? Now, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, this is a little bit harder territory in theology. So, if y'all stay with me on this and get this tonight, and I promise you, you will, you're just going to feel so smart. Okay? You'll want to hang around for a while and drink coffee in the cafe with your finger out, okay? Is this hypostatic? You'll, 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 you'll. All right. Philippians 2. Knowledge puffs up. We're not, not into that. I want you to be equipped. Who being in the form of God did not consider, in the previous verse it says consider Jesus, okay? Who, Jesus, being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, made himself of no reputation, taking, are you all here? The form of a bondservant, it's, it's talking about humanity, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And then if you look in Colossians chapter 2, for in him, Jesus, for in him, 
All the fullness. Everybody say all the fullness. All the fullness of deity. Okay. Fully God dwells in bodily form. So it's important that you know Jesus came and put on flesh. He became man, but he is still fully God. So fully God. Say fully God. And fully man. He did not lose his deity. I said this earlier. He added humanity. Um, something that we'll perhaps get into in, in uh, a week or so is something called kenosis. And it has to do with emptying. Uh, Philippians just talked about this. Here's what he did. He, being fully God, he emptied himself of his divine privileges. Okay, being fully God, made himself of no reputation. Took on the form of a servant, becoming like men. Okay, so... He, so he did this. But what he did, he was fully God. Everybody say fully God. And Philippians tells us, and we'll look at it a little deeper, he emptied himself of his divine privileges. He still fully had them. He still was fully God. The, the only thing he could not empty himself of was his knowledge of the Father. So when you hear him pray, example, outside of Lazarus' tomb, he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I know you hear me. You always hear me. You know, he know he, he had that advantage. That's your advantage too, is to get to know the Father. Amen. Now, accepting certain limits on how he would use his divine attributes so that he could execute, and here's the bottom line, the plan of salvation. This is about the plan of salvation and the legality of it. He temporarily, voluntarily set aside, emptied himself of his independent use of and display of his his deity, his divine attributes, and his glory as well. Uh, One theologian uses this analogy. Maybe this will help you, okay? Imagine the world's fastest sprinter running a three-legged race with one leg tied to his partner. So we've got the world's fastest sprinter. He's going to run a three-legged race. Have you all ever done that? You know, company picnic kind of thing. So he's got his leg tied to another person. He still possesses all of his natural speed, but he has temporarily, voluntarily restricted its use for the purpose of this race. I hope you're getting this. He thus limits the outer expression of his full uh, abilities. I don't want to insult your intelligence, but I want to make sure that you got that. The world's fastest sprinter. So for our story, Jesus, okay? Nobody can keep up. But what he did for a certain race, our salvation, he had to come because a man, a man had to pay the price for the sins of man, for it to legally be satisfied. And so no one could do that but the God-man. So God came, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus came, fully God, put on flesh, world's fastest sprinter. But he limited himself. He still is the world's fastest sprinter. But he tied himself to this partner for this, for what? For this race. He still possesses that speed. He still has that strength. But for the purpose of what he was doing, he allowed himself to be limited. Are you following that? And that's what Jesus came. He limited himself that that Philippians talked about here. Let's look a little bit further. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us. Everybody say, like us. 
his brothers and sisters, to be made like us so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Look in uh, chapter 4, verse 15 in the New Living. Uh, There we go. Did I finish? Go back. I don't think I finished that verse. I'm sorry. Then, everybody say then. He could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. I messed that up. I want to go back. Terry, if we can, do all of verse 17 again. Let's start that one over. All right, there we go. Terry's awesome. Everybody give it up for Terry real quick. She's in a room back there. She's in a soundproof, soundproof booth in Albuquerque. No, she's in, she's in a room back here doing it. Therefore, it was necessary. Everybody say necessary. For him, Jesus, to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God, then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. That's so powerful. Now look in chapter 4, verse uh, 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. He understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Now I'm getting ahead of myself again, but I have to lay this down right here. Being fully human, he could feel all we feel. Being fully God, he could carry and help what we feel. And that's the importance of that. Amen? I hope y'all are not lost tonight. This is, this is important stuff. Jesus Christ, eternal son of God, sent by the father, became fully man while remaining fully divine so that he could be the mediator. Everybody say mediator. Let's put that up here. Mediator between God and men. A mediator. And we've talked about this back at Christmas too, but I don't want this to just be Christmas language. A mediator is a go-between. Okay? A go-between. Two people are uh, out of sorts. They have lost oneness. Then you get a mediator, and the mediator goes between to reconcile, to try to bring them together. Part of the original language even has to do with holding hands, bringing together. They communicate. They bring together. It's a very, very important thing. And Jesus is our mediator. And the mediator has to be qualified by both parties and the mediator has to be accepted approved by both parties and so jesus hypostatic union scripture he is fully god and he's fully fully man he is the one that's able to be our mediator look at this real quick first timothy 2 5 for there is one god and one mediator between God and men, help me. The man Christ Jesus. Let's read that again. If that didn't get you, you just lost it. Okay. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Get that. The man Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. Is that powerful or what? I don't want to do something uh, real quick. Brandon, will you come help me here? Louie, you good to come tonight? You want to come up here? You good? Want to come up here? You're a beautiful man. Come on up. Y'all come up here with me real quick. Are you wearing a cape? 
Hey, buddy. You're good, buddy. All right. Brandon, you come over here. We do this on occasion. I did this back at Christmas time, but the Lord reminded me of this. I want to do this again. This is for illustrative purposes only. Okay? So, Demi, this is for illustrative purposes only. For this, you're going to be God. For illustrative purposes only. Okay? You're going to be mankind. All right? I'm going to be Jesus for illustrative purposes only. Okay? Now, what happens is God and man used to be originally together. Okay? So, come on over together. You don't have to move your God. Okay. Sin entered because man got willful, selfish, rebellious, deceived. Okay? So he got, and, and he's not going to get closer to God on his own. God still loves, so loves man. And the second person of the Trinity, eternally existing, loves mankind. And God so loved the world. That he what? Gave who? His only son. So he sent his son, born of a virgin, to put on flesh. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I'm chief. Jesus, the man, Christ Jesus, is the mediator. There's only one mediator. Listen, this is why there's a whole lot of religions and a lot of well wishes and warm thoughts and all that stuff. But you've got to have a mediator. You've got to have a savior. And there's only one. And he is Jesus Christ. The man, Jesus Christ. He had to come in the form of flesh. Because as a mediator, he had to be approved and qualified for each party to bring them together. And as a mediator, hold hands with me. As a mediator, Jesus is the only one that is God enough to hold hands with God. And he's the only one who's man enough to hold hands with man in such a way that he can now bring God and man back together. Y'all see that? He couldn't just have the appearance he had to be to satisfy, and you have, you have, the book of Hebrews will help you if, you if you read through there. Just scripture will help you on this. He had to be that. So the only mediator between God and man is the man Christ Jesus. Just that title, Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, brings them together. Okay? Now, they're back together. They're reconciled. I want to show you another verse. Stay there. And it's not weird for men of God to hold hands. We are tight, all right? We are, we are family, all right? Now, y'all stay there just for a minute. Let me show you this verse. 2 Corinthians, Terry, if you will. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Second, there we go. Now then we, everybody say me. me. All right, believers, this is in... This is in Corinthians. This is written to believers, okay? They've been reconciled to God. So now then we, or everybody just say Louis, all right? Our ambassadors for Christ. 
as though God were pleading through Louis. Go ahead. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So once Louis or you gets reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, now he has been given the ministry of reconciliation that God through Louis, scripture just said as though Louis or you are imploring, pleading with me as if God is speaking through him. Saying what? Be reconciled to God. So Jesus Christ was the mediator, but now we in essence are ambassadors of this. And so what Louis representing all of you, Louis has been given the ministry of reconciliation. You are ambassadors now for God. And it's as if God is imploring, speaking through him, reaching out to your friends, to your loved ones, to in some creative anointed way, help them to be reconciled. To God. Amen? All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys. Y'all are awesome. Hey, you're not God. No, 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 not God. Okay. Great job. Thank you guys. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Say that with me. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Think, think about all we've talked about tonight. Christ Jesus Is he not the eternal son of God, the second person of the Trinity, eternally existing? God so loved the world that he sent him. Christ Jesus came into the world. How did he come into the world? Born of a virgin, put on flesh, added to a full deified nature, a now human nature. Will, emotions, thoughts. All of that, yet without sin. This is not a mix. This is two distinct natures, complete natures. Not 50-50, not 70-30, The man, Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. All of that is wrapped up in that little phrase, hypostatic union. I'm just so glad. Here's all you got to remember. Christ Jesus. And he's fully what? Fully God, fully man. For the sake of this race, for for the sake of our redemption, our salvation, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Let's go to 1 Timothy 1, 15, and then we're going to close tonight. This is a faithful saying. I, I mean, Paul is highlighting this and worthy of all acceptance. Read it with me. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And Paul added this, and of whom I am chief. Amen. Are you glad that God sent Christ Jesus? Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight?